Welcome back, everybody, to the 16th episode of the Prime Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Marquez, and joining me is our co-host, Tony Sutton. Uh, we want to go ahead and apologize for the long break that we've had. Uh, our lives, obviously, are extremely busy, so it's getting a little difficult to get people to get together due to, you know, our schedules and everything. But we're focusing on moving on and getting bigger, getting better. We're obviously obviously still going to try and get them on for as many features as possible. But for now, me and Tony are going to go ahead and take the reins. A lot of stuff has happened, Tony, since our last episode. The Chiefs ended up winning the Super Bowl against the Eagles, obviously. Uh, the NBA is finally at the All-Star break, and we're, we're kind of getting a clear picture of what the playoffs is going to come come looking like, you know, and then uh, the XFL made its return as well. So uh, we'll go ahead and talk about the NFL first before we move on to the NBA. But the biggest one that I wanted to talk about and the most recent one was Eric Bieniemy uh, moving on to the Commanders after his Super Bowl win with the Chiefs. And he is going to be the offensive coordinator with as well as the assistant head coach. Now, a lot of, there's this huge argument going on at the moment. Why isn't he a head coach already? Yeah. And a lot of people have a bunch of different takes. Obviously, you heard Shady McCoy and uh, how he felt about the situation. But in most people's eyes, I think they would say he's deserving of a head coach position. So was, this is a good first step for him. But what did you make of Eric Bieniemy's move from Kansas City to Washington? And how is that going to help the Washington Commanders offense with, you know, Terry McClary, Scary Terry, or Terry McLaurin, sorry, Scary Terry, uh, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, uh, Brian Robinson? What do you make of that move? Well, I think it really serves to benefit the Washington Commanders more than anything else. Um, as far as what I make of it, Part of me thinks that this could just be a prove you can do it without Andy Reid move from Eric Bieniemy, but also I could see it being a more of a long term financial security kind of thing. I think you know he's been signing one year contracts with the Chiefs to be their offensive coordinator for a few seasons now. This is his first multi year deal that he's signed, um, so that signifies to me that maybe Eric Bieniemy just kind of wants to settle down somewhere for a while and, uh, you know, make Washington his home, so to speak. Uh, it is an interesting move. One of the better offensive coordinators in the league right now, moving to a team that doesn't really have a ton of expectations of them. There's huge question yeah. marks at quarterback. The defense has been inconsistent this last year. And there were some people who were calling for Ron Rivera's job. And now uh, Eric Bieniemy joins that, you know, that coaching team. And it, it could potentially signify that the commanders are trying to push all in and maybe make a run for the playoffs. They came very close last season. But it is kind of confusing seeing somebody coming from the pedigree of the Chiefs who have won, you know, multiple Super Bowls with going to a team like the Commanders who really haven't had a direction for some time. So it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out in Washington. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a good position for him because he kind of gets to build that offense the way he wants 
like you said, there's a lot of people already talking about is Ron Rivera on his way out or not. So it kind of leaves that door open, obviously, with the assistant head coach role uh, that he has kind of shows like, okay, for whenever Ron is ready to step out or if we need to move him out for any reason, now we know we got Eric there to give him his chance. So I think it's a pretty good position for him. And like you said, if they are trying to make a uh, playoff push in a tough NFC East division, uh, it's important that Ron can focus on the defense now and then Eric can focus on the offense and maybe they can make something happen. But I definitely think it's an interesting move and it might be one of the better ones, especially for a team who's looking to compete. Um, In a corresponding move, the Chiefs uh, promoted Matt Nagy, the former Bears head coach, to their offensive coordinator position. So uh, we'll see Matt Nagy's chemistry with Patrick Mahomes next season. Mm -hmm. Do you think this, do you think Eric the enemy moving on to Washington is going to have a big effect on Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid? Or, you know, is this just one of those things where Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are that good? Uh, it's somewhere in between. I'd be lying if I said that I didn't think that Eric Bieniemy didn't contribute to the success of the Chiefs offense during his tenure there. But at the same time, I also have full faith in the Chiefs machine to continue to, um, uh, you know, put up results, continue to get deep into the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes is still generational talent and Andy Reid is still excuse me, a generational talent at head coach. Uh, now, Matt Nagy, uh, he really had a up-and-down time when we saw him as a head coach in Chicago. Obviously, those Bears teams weren't necessarily that great offensively while he was there, but he did manage to get a lot out of Mitch Trubisky for one season. Yeah, Your guess is as good as mine how he's going to perform there. <laughs> I think it's going to be pretty neutral. I think they're still going to be about as successful, but it'll be interesting to, to see how it shakes up for them for sure. Maybe Matt Nagy could be end up on a, as a head coach on a team in a, in a couple of years, if he proves himself on a, a really good talented chiefs team. Yeah. It, obviously he's going to join Andy Reid and Mahomes there and I don't I don't see it being too much of a problem. I agree that I do think, you know, you lose somewhat of a little step losing Eric Bieniemy, but I don't think at this point you can't count out, count out the Chiefs at any point. Um staying on the offensive side of the ball in the NFL, obviously the big news of Derek Carr being released by the Raiders, Aaron Rodgers, you know, potentially being on his way out of Green Bay and him going into a retreat. And there's a lot of questions on where are these quarterbacks going to end up and who's going to go with who? Talk to me about Derek Carr, Tony. Who, or you know what? Better yet, we'll have, a, we'll have another little Jets take here. If you're the Jets, are you going in on Derek Carr or are you going in for Aaron Rodgers? Because both are quarterbacks that they want. Obviously, a quarterback is a big need there in New York. All year long, they had a great defense, but Zach Wilson and Mike White just truly could not get the offense going in any way, shape, or form. And Derek Carr did have a meeting with the Jets already, and it went extremely well. And there's a lot of talks about how they feel he could be a future Hall of Fame quarterback if he wins a Super Bowl in New York. 
But it also seems like they're kind of one foot in, one foot out because they want to see what's going to happen with Rodgers. They kind of like Rodgers, but is it a good fit? What What do you think? Well, uh, what I think is, and I've been on the record saying this a couple times, is that the Jets and Carr are the match made for each other. I really think that Derek Carr just brings a certain amount of grit and tenacity to the quarterback position. Um, and that I feel like that's something that this Jets team needs. They need a leader on offense. You saw flashes yeah. of it on Mike White. You didn't see it at all in Zach Wilson. Um, and they really just haven't had that stabilizing figure at quarterback. And I feel like that's been the thing that's been halting this team's development for the last 10, 20 years. I mean, the last quarterback to get them to a uh, playoff position was Mark Sanchez. And yeah. outside of that, you know, those couple of years where Mark Sanchez was a good quarterback, there hasn't been a whole lot to be desired from him. And if that's the best that you've been working with over the years, then, you know, you clearly just need to bring in somebody who who wants it. And I feel like Derek Carr is that guy that wants it. He always wanted it in Vegas and in Oakland, you know, yeah. he, he's always wanted it. Yeah. He's been prone to make mistakes. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have the best winning record in the league. His stats don't jump out to you. Uh, but there was a time when Derek Carr was, you know, whispered in MVP conversations. I'm sure you remember those days fondly and look upon them with, uh, yeah, <laughs> with rose tinted glasses. I'm sure you miss, miss that season. Um, 2016 was a great season for Raider fans. Great season. But but it hasn't been the same uh, in Vegas no. and Oakland since. And part of that's Derek Carr. Part of that is the the firestorm that seems to be the front office every year. So I like Carr with, you know, real owners and a real coach and real stability and a real defense, you know. And I like the Jets with a real quarterback, with a leader, and with somebody who's going to be able to go out and get you some games won here, whatever that looks like. But if I'm Derek Carr, I'd be happy playing with that defense behind me. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's never, he's never had anything close to that. No. And you always say he never gets to that third touchdown, but two touchdowns from Carr on the Jets offense with their defense. Might that's be enough to win need. them. It, it it really is enough to win them some games. So that's what I think. I think that uh, he's a perfect fit for them. Rogers, Rogers is going to enter his new world order era here. Go with the black. <laughs> he, he went into the blacked out room and he's going to come out and he's going to go to the black hole and he's going to be a Vegas Raider. I think you he's going to enter so? his, his, his villain era, his old man villain era. You know, I I th- I think it's going to be real interesting. I think he's going to go and give the AFC West hell for like a season and a half, and then kind of bow out. You know, very yeah. very Favre esque. The parallels between those two are so real, but I don't buy that he's going to the Jets. I, it just doesn't make sense to me personally for him. You know, he wants yeah. to go play with Tay. He wants to play with Josh Jacobs. He wants to play with the big name guys and. Go to a big market where weirdos are accepted. And Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is a weirdo. And he almost praise. You know, 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, with Mark Davis, he's a weirdo, too. So <laughs> I, I, I will say like this is since he, you know, he did come out of his, his retreat uh, yesterday, I believe, or two days ago. And there's been a couple reports saying that the Raiders might be looking in a different direction. And Dave Ziegler obviously kind of talked about it on the podcast on Busting with the Boys, how they might not have an immediate plan at quarterback this season. So as a Raider fan, I personally, I would want to see Rodgers in Vegas. I think him and Tay, like you said, with Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, I, I do think it could work, you know, the market. I think it'd be a, a good fit. But to me, the biggest thing is Josh McDaniels. And I, I think it takes a very specific kind of quarterback to, you know, fully buy into how McDaniels likes to play his game. And at this point, I, I kind of have a feeling that Rodgers is going to stay put in Green Bay for one more year. I think he sticks it out for one more year. And I think he probably retires after this year, but I think this is going to be his last, like, all right, we got all the young dudes, a little bit of, a little bit of play. We know where we need to work on what we could fix. I think they'll add some pieces and he'll, he'll give it one last take. And I, I think I've, man, I have a feeling about Garoppolo going to the Raiders. If I, right now I feel like Garoppolo to the Raiders and I don't really want that, that makes sense. but that's just, I think that's just what's, that's probably our best option at the moment, but yeah, I wouldn't hate Jimmy G on the Raiders either. Before we move on to what's next, my dark horse team to land Rogers besides, you know, outside of the Raiders, the bucks, uh, they, they could the have bucks. two old, old ass quarterbacks wearing the number 12 on their team for like four seasons. That kind of makes sense. Like I could see that. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I mean, they're all, their defense, obviously, was kind of underwhelming and extremely underperformed this year, but you would be giving him all kinds of weapons, obviously with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, which Mm -hmm. is already going to be better than anything he's had in green Bay outside of, you know, Tay, but I could see that. I could kind of see that. I don't know. I mean, any of the, any of the NFC South teams, to be honest, some quarterbacks can end up in the NFC South and they're going to look around and they're going to see a bunch of nobodies over there. And it's going to be yeah, easy somebody's pickings. Somebody's going to overtake that division for sure. Yeah, somebody. And it might be Lamar Jackson? Question Atlanta? mark? To the Falcons? Atlanta? Is he going to revive? You know, but Bryce's not uh, here to talk about it, but I don't know. That's okay. You know, they, it, you know, the reports obviously came out that in September – he rejected an offer of about $236 million with 133 guaranteed, somewhere along those lines. And, you know, there was the talks about how he wants his fully guaranteed the same way Deshaun Watson got his contract fully guaranteed by the Browns, which honestly hasn't looked like a very smart move on the Browns side so far. Deshaun so far, Watson no. on his return did not look really good, you know, maybe a little bit of rust there. And we'll see if he can bounce back this year. But that being said, Lamar, I think, is a player who is worthy of that. And for some reason, Baltimore just seems kind of reluctant to fully go in on their quarterback, who was an MVP, who's led them to the playoffs. What what are they what are the Ravens doing here? 
Like, I don't understand it at all. Do, they, they're, <clears throat> they're pretty far away on this contract right now. Do you really think that Lamar Jackson to the Falcons is actually a really good possibility at this point? Uh, it could be. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, the Ravens have already committed so much to Lamar Jackson. It doesn't really make a ton of sense to not move forward with him. But that being said, if because they've already committed so much to him, I feel like there's the possibility that they don't want to commit anymore because they haven't gotten as far with him as I feel like they would have. Now, I'm not sure if the Ravens are necessarily a, a, a championship pedigree prestigious uh you know, team organization, you know, I, I feel like that expectation of, Hey, we, we're going to go hang up banners. I don't feel like that really exists in Baltimore. They do have yeah. a couple of championships there and they have been, you know, relatively recent. So they've been a good team in the last 25, 30 years, but <clears throat> you know, are they really expecting to, you know, bring in a quarterback and be like, all right, we, we have to win a Super Bowl, or this isn't working. And it just feels really foolish by the Ravens seeing just how much they've committed to him, the way they've changed and catered the offense and brought in certain members of the coaching staff and cleared up cap space for Lamar. Now they just, they can't go past that little bit left to lock in on Lamar and have that, that stability moving forward. So, you know, I, my take is if they really would have wanted to commit to Lamar, they would have done it already. Yeah. Because every every other team does. Every other team commits to their quarterback. The Cowboys committed to Dak Prescott. The Cardinals committed to Kyler, Kyler Murray. Murley. Kyler Murray. The <laughs> Vikings committed to Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. You know. Yep. Uh, Mahomes, he got committed to, I'm sure – that Justin Herbert's about to get committed to. And if Justin Herbert gets a contract before Lamar Jackson, watch out. Watch out because yeah. I think that's pretty insane. Lamar Jackson's won an MVP in this league, multiple playoff appearances, been a perennial all-pro pro bowl-level player. He looks around at the quarterback market. It's wide open. There's, you know, so many players getting massive extensions, massive contracts with lots of guaranteed money. Do I think the Deshaun Watson thing was an overpay and this mistake yeah. by the Browns? Yeah, probably. This is Lamar Jackson. He's a known commodity. And I think it's really foolish and arrogant of the Ravens not to commit to him yet. And Listen, I don't think they're going to tag him because I could see Lamar holding out if they tag him and not play. And that would be a disaster because then he's walking yeah. for nothing. And you're not going to be able to trade him because you're going to have to trade him for not nearly enough. So I, I think if the Ravens aren't committing to him, they're trading him sooner rather than later because the instant he gets tagged and doesn't play or it becomes a bigger issue, they lose all of their negotiating power when it comes to potential future trade talks. So Atlanta, maybe I've heard other teams thrown around. I've heard things about maybe even like the Texans or the bears, the Titans, uh, you know, obviously they're going to be looking for some sort of a replacement a quarterback, whether that be through the draft, whether it be a quarterback swap, 
picks. There's going to be a lot going on if this is a trade, but the Ravens would be foolish to do so, I think. You know, I I think it speaks volumes, you know, volume to the fact that they haven't committed to him. Kind of like you said, like if they wanted to, they would have by now because he has the resume. Yeah, maybe he doesn't quite have all the playoff wins that, you know, you would hope, but he's an MVP. He's been consistent in, you know, leading them to the playoffs. And I think, you know, as a business, the Ravens are looking at it like, well, he's going to cost us a fortune. Mm -hmm. You know, he's already won an MVP. He's been somewhat injury prone these last two seasons. You know, do we really want to commit that much to him? And, you know, I just feel like Lamar feels disrespected at this point, too. And I think yeah. he should because I think he deserves it. I think the Ravens haven't done enough to surround him with better talent on offense to give him a true chance, you know, to make a deep playoff run. And I don't know, this relationship just kind of seems like one of those that they're ready to break up. Yeah. You know? it, and it, it uh, yeah, definitely has that team, feeling. A team like Atlanta. A team like Chicago, I think those are really good places. Young teams with some cap space, with a lot of picks. Chicago could trade Justin Fields to Baltimore. Baltimore still has a running quarterback. They can keep a somewhat similar system on offense. Mm -hmm. You know, they get a little bit younger. Or Atlanta, you know, they could give up basically everything they want and build completely oh. around Lamar. And all you the know, picks, pay yeah. him and pay him whatever he wants, and they, I feel like they're willing to. So I, I think if they, they do move away from Lamar, I think it's just really bad on the Ravens. And who knows? Maybe we're all wrong, but it just to me it doesn't look good. And if I'm Lamar, I'm definitely doing whatever it takes to get to get you know get his money. And I agree. If they try and tag him, I think he sits out. And he'll play that. He wants to stay healthy, so he's not going to risk it for someone that's not going to pay him. I just I just don't see how this is going to end in a good way. It's, it's going to be ugly for sure. Approached. Sorry, Blake. Uh, yeah, Blake. <laughs> I, I don't know. You, you, you've been hopeful. You've been trying to, like, tell us to calm down, that it's going to be okay, but it's just... He thinks the know. tag's going to fix it. That that tag that is the worst. worst at times. The, yeah, the, the the tag might be the worst thing to see if you're a Ravens fan. Um, in other football related related news, the XFL finally made its return, and you know what? It was pretty entertaining. I think ESPN didn't do as well as what was the other um. Station CBS. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was CBS. Yeah, CBS did pretty good. I think they did over a million on both their broadcasts, and I think ESPN did just under a million. But a lot of people enjoyed what they saw in the XFL. A lot of people were saying good things about it, and we actually got to see some talent out there that made you kind of question, like, "Hey, you know, what really can become of this XFL league?" I mean, AJ McCarron. 
two game winning drives. He's looking good and he, he could still be a really good backup somewhere in the NFL right now. Yeah. And but he gets to, uh, he gets to start. He gets to play. Yeah, exactly. Josh Gordon had a good uh good showing. I believe he had what five catches, seventy one yards and a touchdown, something like that. So it's looking it's looking pretty good. What what do you make of the XFL and what do you think you know, what does that do for that for the NFL and maybe, you know, having another platform to see more of these athletes shine and see if they can, you know, put themselves in the spotlight. Well, I think it's a good thing for the sport of football in general. Um, I think it's interesting some of the rule changes they've made. It's definitely enhanced the product. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, it is a little odd to see, you know, three-point attempts and, uh, you know, uh, fourth and 15s uh, instead of onside kicks. It, it, it takes some getting used to, but it, it was really entertaining. Um, you know, this recent game on Thursday was great. Same with the game last Saturday between the Renegades and the Vipers. Yep. Little comeback by the Renegades on that end. And, uh, you know, those are the only games I was able to catch, unfortunately. Um, but I definitely think that there is more to look forward to. And... Uh, more to be excited about, you know, I, I always thought that the, the NFL needed some sort of minor league or developmental league that wasn't like yeah. the CFL because there wasn't a ton of interest in the CFL for a while. And a lot of the CFL prospects didn't necessarily thrive in the NFL. So hopefully with the XFL being a, a domestic product here, more people will have access to it. More people will be able to see some of these players who, you know, didn't get a chance in the NFL or didn't quite make it in the NFL. And those players, I think I'm really happy for them that they're given an opportunity to compete on, you know, yeah. nationally televised games and uh, go forth and, uh, you know, show their talent and uh, continue to entertain people. Uh, you know, uh, let me ask you a question here. Yeah, you trying to go to an XFL game? I have a friend that went to a couple, um, you know, back when they only played like that half a season. Uh, oh yeah, and he was able to go to a couple in Florida. He said they were pretty fun. Yeah, no, I would love to go. I mean, I love sports in general, and I especially love football. So, I'm all, I would for sure be down to go to an XFL game. We catch one in Vegas. That would be the move. That'd be dope. So are but, you, you rocking you know, with the Vegas team? Is that your squad now? I don't know. I you know I see it kind of like you said a develop a de developmental league, and I just kind of like watching like same same with college. I don't have like a true number one team for college. Like I like SDSU because mm. I'm you know from San Diego, obviously, but. I, I just like watching certain players at that age and I like to watch them grow. I like them watch I like to watch them get better and see how they evolve as competitors and players. So I haven't picked a team yet, but you know, they're in the same city as the Raiders, so and that's looking like it might be the choice. That being said, I think that pretty much wraps up this first segment about football i think we're going to take a quick break here and then we'll come back and get started with this nba talk because we have a decent amount to talk about so we'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back <laughs> 
Welcome back, everybody, here to the Prime Sports Podcast here. We're going to get it kicked off with some basketball news here. Obviously, we just got done with the All-Star break, first couple of games back. And, uh, you know, All-Star weekend, nine nine days of no, no basketball games being played, except for the excuse of a basketball game that was played. Uh, which was the all-star game. Jason Tatum dropped the most passive 55 I've ever seen. Um, and, you know, it was a glorified layup line, and the players about said as much. You know, yeah. at the ratings confirmed it. If you, you take screenshots from the game, you'll see that, you know, you'll see that uh, you know, players were just not – moving off the ball, it just kind of became a glorified one-on-one, layup lane kind of game. And, I mean, Giannis scored one bucket and bailed. LeBron James played no defense and hurt his finger. And, you know, the game ended with both captains not playing. And it it was really rough. And, uh you know, there's no good solution to it. We had one good competitive all-star game when Kobe died. And after that, it's back to the back to the same routine. And I don't know what it's going to take for the all-star game to be fun and competitive again. And that begs the question, should the NBA even have an all-star game? People are starting to say that they should just cut it all together and replace it with a 1v1 tournament which i think would be really entertaining but yeah i mean it's the all-star game how can you get rid of it you know it kind of sucks because for some reason with sports these all-star games these pro bowls they're not the same that they used to be it was meant you know to get the best of the best players to compete each other because it's like we can see what the game is like between two good teams, but what is it like to see one game with the best players in that sport? And, you know, the competitiveness, the competitiveness just isn't there anymore. No. And it really seems like it's died down, and I just don't know how to fix it because we'll get into it probably in a little bit as well. But it's like you can take away the all-star game, but it doesn't mean anything else is going to be competitive. The slam dunk contest hasn't been competitive. The three-point shootout no. hasn't been competitive. And a one-on-one tournament I think would be amazing. I- I'd love to see that. But even then, I... I feel like you're going to end up with a bunch of, like, six-man type players. Yeah, you it's know? just... What, you're going to put a point guard against a center now? Like, how are you going to do it? Are you going to do it for each position? I think it just sucks because you mm-hmm. want to see the best of the best compete against each other. And that all-star game was just laughable, man. It just wasn't good. It wasn't fun. It wasn't enjoyable. And it just, it leaves a lot. It leaves, it leaves a lot to be wanted. And I don't know what you do. I don't know how you fix it, but mm. Jose Alvarado seemed to be the only guy 
that that came with any kind of energy for for these games. I mean, I, really. I, I heard that start making the All Star Game a Team USA versus a Team World game because now you know you'll get that little bit more competitive competitiveness that obviously the Team USA isn't about to lose to the Team World on U.S. soil. You know, so I think that can raise the competition a little bit more. And then I would also say start making a committee who makes the two, who, you know, handpicks the two all-star teams. That way you can specifically choose players that don't like each other, players that talk a lot and put them against each other. So they're kind of forced to, I don't know, compete or, or I just, I don't know. I think they need to do something because it's not, it was honestly, it was pretty disappointing. Just move the all-star game to a random LA fitness in New York during the off season. You'll be have the most competitive game in the league. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they play harder against each other in the off season when it's just bragging rights on the table. And <clears throat> maybe part of it is just the timing of all-star break and all-star week. Players don't want to get hurt right before the playoffs, yeah. which is completely understandable. It's just, it, it just makes for a poor product. Um, I I think there just has to be maybe some sort of incentive, kind of mm-hmm. like how uh, the all-star game in baseball, the winner gets home field advantage, the AL or the NL. You could have yeah. the players play on the, the East and West again, like they always have. The drafting was cool. It was it was interesting, but at the end of the day, I feel like going back to East versus West, making it worth something so that the players yeah. at least want to win it. You know, you can't expect all the players to play that are worried about getting hurt, but at least the players that are playing could can try to win the game because when, when it is like that, it's really fun. It's really entertaining, and all-star game MVPs used to carry weight to them when yeah. you're talking about all-time debates, now it's like I don't really look at, you know, the last couple of all-star game MVPs as really meaning a, a, a whole lot of anything. So uh, definitely we'll have to see about that. Uh, we move to, you know, the skills competitions. Team Jazz won. Uh, yeah. Know, the skills won. Damian Lillard won the three-point contest. And Mac McClung uh, won the dunk contest. He had a couple of 50s. They were nice dunks. It was good to see. He he got his clout up off that dunk contest for sure. Uh, He's still not going to be getting any kind of minutes for the Sixers, though. (laughs) Nah. They literally just signed him just so that he can 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 play all the attraction from, you know, the hype that he has, but no, it it was fun. It was fun watching him mm-hmm. do the dunk contest, and I think that's what the dunk contest should be, and that's what they should look for. Look for people who are known dunkers. I mean, if you mm-hmm. watch his dunk highlight tape from you know since high school, you know he was going to put on a good show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, don't just pick the you know these random dudes who yeah you know they got some bounce yeah they they make some cool dunks, but they're, you know, they're not known for it, you know? They're not known for it, so I, I definitely think... Listen, I'm about to go on a rant here about the dunk contest, bro. People <laughs> said... People have been talking crazy, saying LeBron ruined the dunk contest, bro. But you want to know who's ruined the dunk contest for the last, like, three seasons? 
Ja. Ja ruined the dunk contest, bro. Ja is known for dunking. That's his whole thing. It's yeah. His whole thing is dunking over dudes and getting up. Crazy finishes. He said he needed, what, like a million likes, a billion likes to do the freaking, man. Come on, Ja, do it. The league needs it. You clearly ain't scared of getting hurt because you dunking on dudes way bigger than you for no damn reason during yeah, I just a fucking random why. February game, bro. He, you know, he 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 could be saving the dunk contest, bro. And I, I challenge some of these these all star players to go in there and be like, you don't need a G leader to put on for the dunk contest. I will. I will. But NBA, I, hope- I think that's why the NBA needs to do that is they need to force it because imagine getting Matt, Matt McClung and John Moran in a, in the same gun dunk contest. Mac is obviously going to want to show up John and be like, all right, you can play, but I, I can dunk too. Like I can do this too. And then John's not going to want to obviously lose to some G leaguer, like you said, to some nobody. Yeah. So I don't know. I Someone, some, some all-star please. Revive the dunk contest, bro. Mac McClung set it up. He made it fun again. It was fun to watch. It was probably the most fun thing that happened uh, during the All-Star break. Get Ja. Get Anthony Edwards. Get Aaron Gordon again if you really have to. Like, I, yeah. you know, I don't really care who it is. I just want to I just want to see some good players who can throw down some good dunks. And... Well, he- they they should just have it as a, as a selection. And look, these are your four selections, okay? For each dunk contest, you need one all-star. You need one mm-hmm. one dunk contest finalist yeah, from when, a previous when... dunk contest, whether they won it or they were the runner-up, but one of the two finalists. You need to get a fan-voted one so that if all these fans want someone like that person, all right, you know, you make you yourself eligible. And if you get yeah, voted, then... You got to do it. And then the fourth, you know, throw in a good dunker, whoever has, you know, whoever's leading the league in dunks or something like that. That way I you think just th- always have a, a nice wide variety. You get your, you can get some G leaguers, but you know that they're good dunkers. Like it, you're not going to water it down anymore. I think the East say, and like, the West should both have to nominate one player from the all-star selection. Ooh, that's a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. If you made an all-star or all-star team, you, you you could end up you know the, the the team let the players vote who gets to do it so that way it's fair you know what i mean I like that. I like I, that. I, instead of doing the draft let the players you know send someone to have to go to the dunk contest bro i think it would be funny now that could get abused and we could end up with a Jokic dunk contest bro <laughs> because yeah, i think yeah, that would be really that would be That'd be really funny if you know all the Western All Stars are like, bro, let's let's put you because Kyrie was kind of picking on Jokic, trying to throw in lobs and shit. You know, there's a sense of humor there, but I I just think that one of the All Stars, we need an All Star in the dunk contest again. Yeah, I would love to see it. Let's make it happen. Whoever it is, I think Ant is the type of guy to do it though. He was calling out players for not playing games and stuff. He's got that old head mentality. I yeah, can see Ant in a look, dunk contest. Next year, look, I, look, I'm stay with me here, Tony. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm with next you. Next year's I'm with dunk you. contest. You get Aaron Gordon. You get Anthony Previous Edwards. Winner. You get Mac McClung. Yep. Ooh. Okay, and then you throw somebody like. Um, 
There's another high riser. Man, guess someone like Westbrook. You telling me Westbrook can't get one out there? Westbrook should have been did one. You know what I'm saying? Just, like, just, just get John ja there, bro. Come on. Get John, ja, bro. Get him in there. Ja, get Anthony ja. Edwards, Mac McClung, and Aaron Gordon. Tell me that, that would, would be the not most be... fire dunk contest ever, potentially. <laughs> bro, <laughs> like <clears throat> I don't know. That that's all I'm saying. We we if we can get that. Make the prize money a milli, bro. Come on. These players ain't waking up out of bed for 100000 Mac McClung did, you know, yeah. but that doubled his well, salary. Even make make it 500000 Make it half a mil at least. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But all we need is we need one all-star, one, you know, one of these dudes to come out and compete in it, and I guarantee you more will follow. Mm-hmm. But somebody got to do it. Someone's got to do it. Um, but... You know, you mentioned him. I kind of want to talk about him a little bit here. Uh, Russell Westbrook, who was um, uh, picked up by the Los Angeles Clippers, set to make his Clippers debut today um, after getting traded to and then released by the Utah Jazz, where they bought out his contract, got picked up by the Clippers, said, you know, he feels – good about a team that wants him there wants him um he's all he's all smiles in practice a lot has been said about russell westbrook can he contribute to winning basketball are his prime years behind him can he accept the role all this stuff um but i i want to hear what you have to say about russell westbrook's potential future here with the Los Angeles Clippers. You think it's going to work? I'll be honest. I thought that was one of the few places that it could work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when it came out that the Jazz were obviously most likely going to buy his contract out, all these other places, you know, came up and like, okay, where's he going to go? And the one place I think that I didn't want him to go was to the Clippers because they have a need at point guard, obviously. They don't they don't have a true point guard at the <clears> moment. <throat> And obviously with someone like Kawhi, who you manage his minutes at times and he's not always healthy, you can have someone like Westbrook to kind of keep that pace and, you know, maybe give Kawhi a few extra minutes here and there. And just imagine if they do, you know, all mesh together and have that chemistry like Westbrook has already played with Paul George in OKC Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I could only see, you know, good things from from the Clippers signing him. Obviously, it didn't work out with the Lakers, and we all wish he did. I haven't been the biggest Russ supporter, never been the biggest fan of him, but you know, I am happy he's finally somewhere where you know you can visibly tell he's excited to kind of be there and and play basketball again. So. I honestly do think it'll be it'll be good for him. I think it'll be good for them. And how far will how much better do they get with him? I don't I don't truly know, but mm-hmm. I I do think it's a good thing. Yeah, I uh, I think it was probably the best scenario for Westbrook. Um, and the Clippers' moves up until that point kind of signified that that's the direction they wanted to go. They traded Reggie Jackson, um, who was. Um, uh, you know, the starter for that team for some time. They traded John Wall, who they just recently acquired this offseason, back to Houston. And 
uh, they really kind of were without a point guard uh, for a couple weeks there. And they, you know, pick up Westbrook. Can he fit in? We'll see about that. The role is very defined for him. You're the lead point guard. You're the playmaker. Mm -hmm. You're the player putting up assists. Um, I don't think they're going to have him taking too many shots. Um, But for this to work, uh, you know, it's going to be kind of a humbling experience for Westbrook in a sense because, you know, for this to work, Russ really can't be dribbling the ball too much on offense. He can't be yeah. shooting the ball too much on offense. If he can just focus on rebounds, pace, playmaking, and cutting to the rim, then I think this is really going to work out. If Russ is yeah. going to be turning the ball over and missing contested layups and you know just kind of getting frustrated on the offensive end, I think it's going to not look great and it's not going to work out. Um, Kawhi and Paul George are two players that their entire tenure together, mm-hmm. one of those two guys has had the ball in his hand. And yeah. they've been making tough shots and getting to their spots. And, um, you know, those are the kind of players they are. They really w- play well with the ball in their hands. You bring in. Westbrook, who has been historically very high usage player, yes, he's been the second option to very good players, and he's been able to play that role very well. Now he steps in as the third option, which was kind of the issue with the Lakers, is that he came in as the third option, and then they tried to put him in a bench role, and that worked out better. The Clippers don't have another point guard on the roster, Really, yeah. that is, you know, starter worthy. Um, Terrence Mann has been playing some of the guard minutes, but I don't think that the Clippers go get Westbrook just to start Mann and have Westbrook come off the bench. Westbrook yeah, playing 35 sense. minutes again um, really leaves me questioning whether or not he's going to actually fit in with, you know, we know he fits in with Paul George, but with Paul George and Kawhi. And then off the yeah. bench, they have Norman Powell, who's been their primary bench scorer. So, you know, it, it kind of puts Westbrook in a position where he has to be the starting guard. He has to focus on facilitating, and he really has to work on his turnovers and shooting percentage. I think he has it in him, but the, I think that the concerns about Westbrook are, are pretty valid. And this Clippers success now really is is – dependent on Russell Westbrook and his ability to fit in um, with this team that's been dominated by wing players uh, since the Paul George Kawhi era started there. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think, I think Westbrook is at that point, you know, I think he's kind of like, he, he wanted to be the guy with the Lakers, like, okay, I'm with my, mm-hmm. with my hometown team. Like I wanted to kind of, you know, be kind of a, a bigger contributor to the team and be seen as a bigger star here. And it just didn't work out. So I think he's finally like found himself in a place where like, he doesn't really have a choice, but to make it work here, you know, like, and this is probably his best scenario, like you said, for him to make it work. So we'll see if they do or not. How'd you feel about um 
Steph's reaction the other night watching the Warriors get spanked around by the Lakers. And I loved it. <laughs> I loved it, you know. Uh, as another owner of a Kobe Bryant poster, uh, you know, I've been hoping that this Lakers team could turn it around. And I very infamously said that the Lakers are about to go on a run. Yep. And uh, not to blow the result of this most recent game for them out of proportion, but with LeBron having a poor sh- shooting night, with AD being very pedestrian on offense, with D'Angelo Russell getting hurt early in the game, they still managed to win by double digits against, albeit Steph curry Warriors, but a Warriors team that's higher up in the standings is them. Uh, yeah. You know, Lakers star players really didn't have a great game. And you saw guys like Malik Beasley and Austin Reeves step up. And one of the Achilles heels of the Lakers for pretty much the entirety of the LeBron James era in L.A. has been the depth, has been the rotational players. And it looks like that that is less of a concern for them now. And, uh, you know. LeBron and AD don't have to have a perfect game for this team to win a game anymore. We'll see how they fare against tougher opponents. You know, the Warriors without Curry, they're not the same team as they are with him. Could have been a lot closer game with Steph. Yeah, I mean, like you said, they they kind of have to go on a run here. But is it a little too late? They they're obviously playing a lot better, and like you mentioned, the the bench thing has been a big big problem, and it kind of seems like they finally found a good rotation of guys to, you know, take some of that pressure off of LeBron and AD. Because sometimes it, it seems like when it's just not working, then if it's not them two, it's just you know mm-hmm. not going to go well for the Lakers. So it's good to kind of see see a little bit more balance in that aspect. Yeah, and D'Angelo Russell, um, x-rays were negative. He is expected to be reevaluated. Uh, you know, I think today he was supposed to be reevaluated, but he's supposed to be back soon. Seemed like a non-serious yeah. injury. He came out and said he wasn't too worried about that. So, Lakers, I still believe that they have a run um, in them. Uh Another team with uh, kind of making some first impressions after the uh, break were the Memphis Grizzlies, who, um, uh, you know, have been a very highly criticized team. Uh, They lost uh, to the Sixers last night um, and come from behind fashion. James Harden with a 30-point game. The, the, the Sixers team and this Grizzlies team both kind of uh, been on the receiving end of some criticism. You know, the Sixers' depth has been questioned. James Harden has been labeled a non-all-star. Uh, the Grizzlies have been called overrated. They said they were good in the West, and then they had some rough times with their opponents in the West. Now, you know, they're kind of getting the fraudulent, uh, you know, title to them. And they lose this game. Should we be worried about the Grizzlies? And what do you make about 
this Sixers team who have been really impressive the last couple of months here? Yes. Mm-hmm. You, you think we worried. should be worried? You should About be worried if you're a Grizzlies fan. Really? Yes. You know, and it's not it's not it's well known that the Grizzlies are just a team that just isn't liked by a lot of people. No, not and really. And they've kind of put this target on their back. And Jaw obviously came out with you know, he, that you know, he's going to be fine in the West and then you see the, the whole All-Star break and all the trade or the trade deadline stuff that happened. And, you know, seeing them lose to the 76ers last night, you got to look at who they're playing next. They got the Nuggets. Mm. They got the Lakers. And Mm. obviously the Lakers aren't a great team, but they're a team that's desperate for wins if they want to make the playoffs. Uh, Then they have the Rockets. Okay. Then they have the Nuggets again. Then they have the Clippers. And then they have the Lakers again. And then they have the Mavericks twice. If they can somehow pull it out, then yeah, maybe they're not overrated. Maybe we they they are going to be fine, but this is going to be a tough stretch of games that I just don't know if they can truly you know, withstand at the end of the day. But I don't know. I I don't think so. You don't think so. I mean, uh, I think Are you worried? It, am I worried? Uh, no, I'm not that worried. Uh, worried I, them? I don't think that this is going to be anything too crazy for them or, uh, you know, too devastating for them. I really view them as the third best team in the West right now. And I really don't think there's a ton of disputing that. You could probably say that the Kings would be the other team or in a playoff series that Golden yeah. State would beat them or, you know, that the Mavs are to be worried about. But in my opinion, they're the third best team in the West and that, you know, the Suns and the Nuggets definitely outclass them. Um, and I think that they're probably going to end up as the third or the fourth seed through this stretch. They, they probably go somewhere around 500 below 500 for this stretch here. Um, yeah. I am worried about them in the playoffs because they're a young team and they don't have, you know, a ton of veteran experience in the locker yeah. room to kind of rein this team in. And there are a lot of teams out West with vets on them. The Suns, a team that, you know, I mentioned They got Chris Paul and KD. Um, Devin Booker is one of the more mature younger players, I would say, outside of his little meltdown against Luka last year. He's been a pretty calming presence on that Suns team. Uh, You know, the Denver Nuggets have been a real, you know, business first kind of team with Jamal Murray, with Aaron Gordon, and with Nikola Jokic. You know, those those are guys that have a lot of playoff experience, especially together. And then you look at teams like the Warriors, who just came off of a a championship. You have a team like the Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who have won a championship together. 
Um, you look at the Clippers, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard's won a championship. There's a lot of you know more experienced uh, teams with veterans who have championship deep playoff run experience. Yeah. And then you have the Grizzlies, who, aside from this most recent run, haven't really, you know, they, they just don't have that kind of presence on them. Jaw's the leader, and, you know, Jaw ja plays the game recklessly. He, you know, yeah. that's how I would say he, you know, he's playing at full throttle, doesn't, you know, seem to, you know, really play a methodical game or, you know, stay, like, even kill. He's up and he's down, and he wears his emotions on his sleeve. I think that yeah, what the Grizzlies need is a number two option behind Jaw that's that's seen some playoff games that can kind of be the calming, the calming voice of reason in this locker room because it's all young cats and they do a lot of talking and they get into yeah. lots of bickering with other teams and that paints a target on your back. That, that's what happened to the Suns last year. The Suns players, their younger players, talked a lot. And they woke up the bear and Luca went ballistic. You know, it, yep. it happens all the time. These younger teams, they poke the bear and they find out in the playoffs. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, not to say that the Grizzlies aren't the only young team that doesn't have a ton of playoff experience out there. The Kings, who yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll touch on here now, we'll kind of transition here. The Kings, Still a top five seed out West. Mm -hmm. I think there may be a lock to be a playoff team, not a play-in team. I don't think that they're going to slip and fall into the play-in. It, it, it's more than it's more than a flash in a pan for the Kings. They look legit. I really trust this Kings team. Um, they had a big win last night. They're playing the Clippers with, uh, with Russ right now as we speak. It's tied up here in the first quarter. Yep. What do you make of the King's success? Just real quick. I mean, who'd have thought? Right. I, I don't think anybody outside of maybe a King's fan would have predicted them to be a top five seed in the West. At least not for this long and sustain it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously De'Aaron Fox is De'Aaron Fox. He, you know, he's leading the way there, but I think I think you you know you nail you nail the the you hammered the nail on the head. Yeah, I, I I think they're they're gonna stay one of those top teams. I don't think they're really playing for that playing team. And if you, I mean they're beating good teams, it's not like they're mm -hmm. just beating bad teams. No, like they're consistently competing and beating these top teams. And if they do lose, they're losing close games. So, you know, I, I think you, you had it right that they've sustained they sustained this kind of success throughout this throughout this season and they're starting to get, you know, into the you know, the deep end and I don't know. You might want to be careful. They look they look kinda hungry. Yeah, they they look really good. They have a ton of chemistry. So bonus and Fox are a great fit together. Um this King's team has been quietly accumulating really good shooters too. They still have Harrison yeah. Barnes, Kevin Huerter. Um and I, I don't think that this team is uh is done building up. I think that they could uh 
they can make a big move or make some key acquisitions or trades here and really beef up this roster. But yeah, if they could get a nice wing player out there, mm-hmm. it could be scary. But uh, you know, the West is a is a shootout here. Out East, I think the teams to beat are the teams to beat. You got the Bucks, you got the Celtics, and you got the Sixers. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see here. That being said, um, I don't think we have too much else to touch on here in the NBA side of things. Um, you know, just looking forward to see how the playoffs shake up, you know, with the addition of the play-in tournament. Uh, it always makes it a little bit more interesting going down the stretch this time of the year. And uh, yeah. it, it also gives my Lakers a little bit of hope to to get in sneak, in sneak into the play in win a play in game and play a playoff series uh so with that being said we're going to take another quick break here and um uh, we're going to be back with some beef so we'll see you in a little bit and he's putting on the handle Welcome back, everybody, with our final segment of the episode. We wanted to save this time, you know, to get into some little bit of, you know, beef. You know, some what, beef. What, what can we argue on? What's something yeah. I stand strongly on, something he stands strongly on? And, you know, me and Tony are pretty accurate when it comes to our opinions and our predictions in sports. So we really mm. don't beef a lot with each other, yeah. at least. Blake, no. Alec, you know, those those are dudes easier to, you know, start some shit with. But me and you, we tend to be, like, on a similar side of things when it comes to sports. But that being said, there is one sport where we differ um, pretty mightily on, and that is baseball. Um, if for you, for those of you who don't know, I am a Dodger fan, and Tony is a Padre fan. And first off, Tony, let me just start off by saying this, that AJ Preller has done a fantastic job uh, down here in San Diego for the Padres. You know, they've been little brother to the Dodgers for a very long time. And there's always been, you know, the talk of all the money the Dodgers have spent to get the players that they have. And AJ Preller, you know, AJ Preller, as soon as he got with the Padres, wasted basically no time in building what is now a real competitor to, you know, hopefully challenge for a World Series this year and possibly dethrone the Los Angeles Dodgers. He got this. He got his fearsome four here, you know. So tell me how you feel about Xander Bogarts, who they just signed, Manny Machado, who did come out and say he was going to opt out of his contract after this year. So it it seems like it's a must win year. But then you have Tatis, who's finally getting healthy. And you have Juan Soto, who was the big acquisition last year uh, from the Nationals. What do you make of your big four there? Well, I mean, what more can you say about, uh, you know, a big four than those four players right there? It's not very often that you see four players of that caliber all playing for one team together. Uh, And, uh, you know, people, haters will say that the, not built, but hey, we learned from the best. We're right down the road from uh, Dodger Stadium, and they've been buying teams 
uh, for a decade, and they got like what one championship to show for it. So to say, you know, it, it's it's not dishonest to say that we we haven't been little brother, but you know, when little brother gets his ass kicked enough, he goes down in the basements and he does some fucking push ups until he can beat <laughs> big brother's ass, right? And that's exactly what we saw last yeah. year. Was, was we saw the the Padres, they got their push-ups in, then they beat the Dodgers' ass. And, uh, you know, Dodgers have had an outstanding organization uh, for some time now. Uh, you know, a great regular season team for sure uh, for the better <laughs> part of a decade. Uh, and that's to be commended here. Uh, but I'm really confident with this team. We also managed to retain... You Darvish, which I think was uh underrated acquisition, not acquisition, but roster move for them as well. You got Tatis back from the suspension this coming season. Uh, Juan Soto seems like he's really bought into the fan base. Um, it sucks to, to hear that Machado's leaving. He's been a fan favorite uh, for some time now since the acquisition. Uh, but, you know, you got Bogarts. You got Tatis, you got Soto, you got Machado for the rest of this year, and I think sky's the limit for this team. I think the Padres, um, you know, it is championship or bust. Um, and Definitely. you know, you, you know how San Diego teams handle expectations <laughs> poorly. Uh, poorly for sure. Um, but you know, at the same time. I'm just going to keep looking at what's been going on lately, what's been going on recently. What have you done for me now? And I'll, I'll say this, that this team can win a championship. And I feel like that's more than I can say about the Dodgers right now, who, you know, they look a little vulnerable. Well, you know, they, they, they haven't been doing their push-ups. They've been, they've been getting a little fat, getting a little chubby. You know, What's up with that, Steve? <laughs> it's easy when you've created a certain standard of success that the moment it slightly falters, everybody starts to, you know, overreact. Uh, kind of like you mentioned, we're used to what San Diego uh, sports teams tend to do when there's a lot of expectations. They never really tend to, you know, fulfill those type of expectations. And I'm going to be honest, if I wasn't a little bit concerned about what this what this Padres team could bring to the field, obviously, you know, that that's probably the best four players you could get on a single team together. And I anything but a World Series appearance to me would be a complete and utter failure on their part. How that would not happen, I don't see, but... I can tell you it wouldn't because you're still a little brother. You're still a little brother to the Dodgers, and you'll continue to be. And you you guys took that first step last last season uh, by knocking us out of the playoffs, and it, it was a little, it was a little embarrassing. I'm not gonna lie, it hurt me. But I mean, you guys still have to prove that you're gonna come out there and do it year in and year out, the same way we have been doing it year in year in and year out. I mean, for a have long time. Have you been doing it year in and year out? I mean, I feel like you spent a lot of money in the return on investment. Uh, 
I mean, consistently making World Series. Yeah, I mean, we don't know he's winning. But are we not constantly in the NLCS? Are we not constantly in the World Series competing for them? You know, unfortunately, we can't always clutch it out at the end. But like I said, when you set a certain standard and then something happens, (laughs) everyone starts to freak out a certain standard. (laughs) (laughs) We still have Mikey Betts. We still have Freddie Freeman. Like, we still have Julio Urias. Come on. Like, yeah, exactly. You guys thinking we're the – no, we're not old. We're not – we're still here. You know, everybody's got to calm down. Man, I'm not gonna calm down. I, I I really think that that this Padres team is the best, could be the best team ever assembled. We'll see about it. We'll see how we feel in a, a couple of months. Here, uh, not even quite the spring training yet, uh, but we're we're gonna see some entertaining baseball here this summer for sure. And uh, you know, we can roll the clip back. You know, come playoffs time, <laughs> and uh, major you know, bragging rights. major bragging rights for sure. Um, but you know, uh, the same way you kind of talk about the Dodgers is uh, is ultimately going to be what bites you in the ass here. You know, because <laughs> you know when you set a certain standard for for excellence, you know it's it's real easy to to come up short. So, um, and that's my prediction for the Dodgers here. I think, uh, I think they're probably going to have to start the retool process here <clears throat> pretty soon. Uh, while the Padres just continue to build up to their, uh, their pennant runs. And, uh, so yeah, that's, that that's, that's as much beef as I'm giving you on this though. This was some <laughs> fucked up beef. This is some <laughs> fucked up beef that you're trying to throw my way. Talking about the Dodgers and the Padres. I'm a big Padres fan, but I can't ignore the record. You set me up <laughs> with your fucking bullshit Padres, fucking bullshit Padres Dodgers beef that you're trying to throw my way, man. <laughs> and now, now we're about to have real beef on here about it. We're about to have some real beef here about it because. I have some beef with you now. I got some beef. This is some old beef I'm digging up from the fucking grave. Old beef. Old beef. In two thousand okay. in two thousand and eighteen, two thousand nineteen, I believe that was the year. One uh, Kawhi Leonard led the Toronto Raptors to a NBA finals championship. Yep. And went on to go become a Los Angeles Clipper in the 2018, I believe it's 2017, 2018 season. Me and you had a debate about who was better, James Harden or Kawhi Leonard. And I was adamant that it was James Harden. And you try to tell me, nah, Kawhi plays defense, all the deep poise. He plays the game the right way. James Harden just flops and, and gets free throws. Uh, 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 another <laughs> NBA Finals MVP and a season regular season MVP have passed. And yet, Kawhi Leonard 
James Harden. Who's better now? Who's better now? I think you know what my answer is. <laughs> and who, I'm stick to my answer. If you look back on the resumes, who's better? Because I hate to break it to you, but it's not Kawhi Leonard. Look, yeah, but then you go into the question of the availability, you know. Availability is the best ability. James Harden was an Iron Man for a while, and he was overweight. And, you know, and I've always agreed with that, that you need to be available in order for there to be an accurate assessment of who you are as an athlete and as a player. Now, I agree, like, yeah, Kawhi really hasn't played as much, so... It's kind of hard to say. Do I still believe Kawhi is a better player than James Harden? I do. Do I think Kawhi will ever reach that type of uh, ceiling that he had when he won it with uh, Toronto? You know, I truly don't know because I just, I don't know. I, I just don't see that same kind of a push, but maybe the injuries have just really taken its toll on him but if you if you're asking me to pick I'm I'm sticking with my boy Kawhi I mean he's still I gonna mean, I don't know look let me let me I got two stats for you here and I think uh, they're gonna blow your your fresh young mind Steve James Harden has more career points Rebounds and assists and Steph Curry. Yeah. All time total. Why Leonard has less career points. Now the big one everyone says is Andrew Wiggins, but Andrew Wiggins, I mean, he got a, he was a primary scoring option. You know, I, mm-hmm. I feel like that's fair. Why Leonard has less points. He has less career points. Than Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon, you 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 hear that correctly, right? Yeah. So <laughs> so James Harden more career points than Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard less career points than Aaron Gordon. I don't know how you can look back at Kawhi and look at him the same way that you looked at him a couple years ago because he hasn't been able to reproduce you know yeah. what i thought were were his best years um and you know he hasn't been able to to play the same amount of games the same amount of minutes um and on top of that the minutes he has played he hasn't looked nearly as good as he once did i mean right now he's averaging 22 for the season um which is you know, his lowest, his lowest total since his injured season with the Spurs in which he only played nine games. The last time he scored less than 24 points per game was in 2015 when he scored 21.2 on that Spurs team. um, I believe with LaMarcus Aldrich as the secondary option. Meanwhile, James Harden has managed to reinvent himself as a playmaker playing next to a ball dominant player, James Harden for the, what is this? The fourth, fifth, sixth season averaging more than 10 assists, 
You know, we used to give people MVPs for averaging 11, 12 assists for, you know, yeah. we used to do that. We used to do that for players, you know, we used to say, I, I Chris say Paul like, was no, 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 no. Don't say <laughs> shit. We used to, we called Chris, we called Chris Paul the point God for putting up 21, 22 and 10. James Harden does that, and he doesn't even get a fucking all-star appearance, bro. Look, <laughs> James Harden, <laughs> he's shooting almost 40% from three, all right? The rules changed to stop favoring him, and he adjusted. He's like, all right, instead yeah, of foul baiting, yeah. I'm going to pass. I'm going to get my floaters in. I'm going to shoot threes more. I'm going to have a good percentage from that. I'm going to be a more efficient player. 1.2 steals per game. You know, that's kind of, you know, been his average. But, I mean, he's consistently been a 10 assist guy. And I feel like nobody ever wants to talk about how good of a passer is, how good of a playmaker he is. Yeah. I mean. On multiple teams. What what I will say is it, it exactly like you said. He really has adjusted his game. And I will give him that out of. Out of a lot of these, out of a lot of NBA players, he's the one who's probably the most noticeably adjusted his game and kind of revitalized, you know, how good he really is just in a different manner. Because, like you said, you know, I used to talk shit about him back back then and all he did was flop. And now, you know, he's he, he has proven me wrong. And I'll give him that. And durability is a huge thing. I think being durable... uh should affect you know how how good you are seen as a player or not and unfortunately for Kawhi he just hasn't been and you know it's it's starting to show whereas like you said James Harden is kind of starting to once again like okay why are people not talking more about his play and his stats because he's obviously found a different way to do it so I, I will give you that I will give James Harden that but if I'm still only picking one player for their career, you know, both in for their, their career, primes, both in their primes, right now. give me Kawhi. Give both right now, bro. James Harden in his prime, in his prime, averaged 36 points per game. 34 points per game. Yeah, that's fine. Give me Kawhi. Yes, it's fine, bro. Come you on, give me, you, you want to give me, you want to give me James average, Harden right now? Average, yeah, average, average, yeah, I know average 29 and 11 and lost the MVP that year to Russell Westbrook because of the triple double 29 and 11, bro. Come on. He's put, he, he's putting up John Stockton passing numbers while also able to put up high volume scoring. But do you remember his, how dominant? Kawhi was in his prime, the best two-way player in the NBA. I mean, he, you couldn't stop him offensively. You literally couldn't was, stop him offensively, and he was the best defender on the court. I don't know if you said couldn't stop him, bro. I, I just the thing about Kawhi is is that you know he he wasn't that high volume guy except for one year on the Raptors, because for most of the time that he was on the Spurs. There were a couple of years where, yeah, he was the guy, but he had a true sidekick. You know, he had LaMarcus Aldridge with him. All right. He had a true sidekick with him. 
before LaMarcus Aldridge shows up to town, it's very clear that he's a part of a system. He goes to the Raptors and he's that dude. I can't take that season away from him. But a lot of what that season's hype was about was built around his postseason play. He really turned up in the postseason. I'll never really, I've never really considered Kawhi to be that great of a regular season player. I mean, he, he, he misses a lot of games in the regular season. He's come out yeah. and said he doesn't try in the regular season. So, I mean, if I'm, if I'm building a team today, hey, I need to win games in the regular season too. Yeah, it's cool if this guy is turning up in the postseason and he's playing his best basketball then. Absolutely. Yeah. But he ain't playing. He ain't playing as hard in the regular season. I, I, I got to take something away from that. And for the fact that his game hasn't really changed in five, six years. Yeah. It's been, it's, it's been the same moves, the same moves, the same bag, the same play style, and the defense hasn't been where it used to be either. Yeah. It's, yeah, no, I agree. So so when, when, when Kawhi was a peak depoy level player, he wasn't that dude. He wasn't the guy offensively that he was. And then when he was that guy offensively, you know, outside of one season, the defense really wasn't all that there. On the Clippers, it hasn't been all that there because he let Jamal Murray and Jokic run him out of town after going up yeah. on them. And ever since then, I just, I just don't see it with Kawhi anymore. I think Paul George is the best player on that team. Uh, let me ask you this: If the Clippers win a ring and Kawhi is Finals MVP again, what does that make? What does that mean? It means that Pete's having a dream, or not Pete? It means that you're having a dream, Steve. <laughs> I don't. I don't want the Clippers happening. to win it. I don't want the Clippers to win it. You know, you're having a nightmare, bro. You're having. You're having a nightmare. That's what that makes exactly. it. Exactly. That's what that makes it because the Clippers ain't winning the championship this year. And if yeah. they are, I don't think Kawhi's winning the, the finals MVP. Because quite truthfully, like I said, I think Paul George is the best player on that team right now. But if they I really that, do. I mean, you, obviously, he's shown it that when it comes to the finals, you know, he he locks down, you know, so. He, he, he does step up. He does step up. But, I mean. But man, I agree. At the end of the day his lack of play throughout the years and you know just the fact that he just really hasn't been able to regain that form that he once had definitely leaves a lot to be desired and like I said I do have to you know give James Harden his flowers because he really has revitalized his career and you know just kind of continued that just that success in a different way than what a lot of people are used to and he he's not getting talked about as much and you know, I know Blake would obviously defend him and the 76ers and Embiid. So I'll give you this one. I'll take it out this time. Take, take the L because I'll take at, the L this day, time. at the end of the day, I think Harden's better all time peak and current. Yeah, well, Our, you know, we'll see. We'll see, he says. We'll see. Um, but I think that wraps it up for the beef here. <laughs> if you have any additional beef, you may bring it to the table. Uh, but other than that, I think uh, we're about yeah. ready to wrap it up. Um, it's been fun kicking with you uh, this episode here, talking the talk. And for all the viewers out there, um, you know, this is going to be the new format moving forward here. Primarily me and Steve here. 
We're going to try yep. and do as many sports as we can. We're probably not going to be moving forward with the individual team aspect, uh, especially come football season. But yeah. just because me and Steve are the main guys right now doesn't mean you shouldn't be expecting to see uh, Blake Elijah, Pete Rios, wow. or Alec Erdley anytime soon. We got some more new guests in the pipeline here uh, that we can't wait to introduce you to. So uh, for all of the listeners out there, you know, thanks for sticking with us here at the prime sports family, Steve, it's a pleasure to work with you as always. Yes, and sir. Unless you got anything to add, I say we cap it off on a high note. Yep. You killed it. Said everything I would have said. So we appreciate to all the viewers, all the listeners, make sure you guys check us out. Remember, this is a weekly thing. This is the new format. There's so much to talk about, so we might as well cover it all. So thank you guys again for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.